0: Welcome to Mommyhood to Menopause, the podcast where we talk all things parenting, life, and life changes. We're your hosts, Lauren and Barb, and this podcast is for any woman of any age who loves to laugh at themselves and at life. And we want to hear your crazy stories too. So join the conversation by following us on Instagram at Mommyhood, the number two Menopause, or on our personal pages at All of the F Words and Southern Blonde Chic. It's real conversation between friends, so let's dive in.
1: All right, it's another week, Barb. Yes, it is, girlfriend, and what a week it has been. It truly, truly has been a week. It has.
0: And there is lots of new information out about a topic that we're going to get into here in just a little bit, but we're going to have a former professional cheerleader on here in just a few minutes. Her name is Melanie. We're not technically going to be tackling a mommyhood or menopause issue directly today, But I think all of us as women, especially as moms, we want to raise children who not only respect each other, but respect women.
1: Absolutely right. I mean, I think this is so relevant to mm-hmm. any woman of any age. Yeah, and we're, we're
0: going to dive into some, some kind of heavy women's rights issues today with Melanie. If you have been following what has been going on in professional football right now, in Washington, 15 women have filed for a sexual harassment allegation suit against their team, and they settled out of court. We'll get into the whole story here in a little bit because it seems like as... I get the information, more information comes out. So, she has cheered for the team. She has also worked for the team. And she has a big opinion on everything that's going on today. But... And this is something that really hits a little closer to home for you, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, I kind of get goosebumps thinking about it because I was a professional cheerleader in Miami for years. And then I was also a professional dancer here in Charlotte for some more years. Right. But my time spent cheering for football in Miami was, quite honestly, some of the best years of my life. And so although, okay, so
1: when was that? Like how many years? Was oh God, it? Eons eons oh, really? and eons ago. We don't want to go back that far. <laughs> uh,
0: so I mean, it's not that bad. I'm actually, I'm proud to be 36 years old now, but my first stint cheering professionally was from the age of 19 to 21. Okay. So we're talking like 2003 to 2006. So it has been, yeah.
1: It's been, it's been some years. For yeah.
0: Me. I want to talk to Melanie about her experience on the team before we dive into this, because with so much negativity surrounding the situation right now, I think people are forgetting how much good and how much positive impact that these young women have on the community, on their peers, and on youth as well. Right. So for me personally, I spent three years on the team in Miami, and I had been all over the world. I had danced on, I believe, four USO tours where we go overseas and we perform for our troops.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And
0: that was probably like a big pivotal moment in my life to be able to see that firsthand because it's, it's very easy to just, you know, be an American and know that people are fighting for our country, but to be overseas with them on a base, shake their hand, perform for them, and get to say thank you when they're missing holidays with their families and everything else. That is a very eye-opening experience. i tell you, it's really interesting. I didn't know that cheerleading teams did that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a whole nother side to it too, where women are partaking in youth camps, kids camps. I actually met my husband while we were doing a youth camp in another country. So, You know, the impact that that these women have on the community is it's it really is quite large. So and
1: it seems like the bad is always kind of blown up and the good is kind of minimized. Right. I I didn't know any of that. Yeah. About cheerleading.
0: I I think a lot of people miss the fact that there is such a positivity to the organization, because when you are hearing about these cases, sometimes you're only hearing about the negative. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to get Melanie on the phone.
1: Great.
2: Hello,
0: Melanie. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thanks.
2: How are you doing?
0: I'm great. Melanie, thank you so much for joining the Mommyhood to Menopause podcast.
2: Oh, thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to be here.
0: So Melanie, she spent some years on the team. She cheered from 1997 to 2001 and then worked for the team as a cheerleader marketing director for, Melanie, 10 years?
2: Yep, 10 years.
0: She's a wife, a mom of two beautiful boys, and I know that as a mom, a lot of the things that we talk about today, Melanie, you're probably going to feel very strongly about because as a mom of two boys myself, we want to raise our boys to respect women and stand up and be around strong women in their life. And I feel oh, like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a really important topic for a lot of people.
2: One hundred percent.
0: Before we dive into exactly what we're talking about today, Melanie, tell me a little bit about you and the impact that you feel like you had when you were a professional cheerleader.
2: Sure. So um, I actually made the team when I was very young. I was still a college student. I was almost nineteen years old. I turned nineteen right when I made the team, and I was a baby. You know, I was still learning how to be an adult and be a student and and for myself and joining that team of women who were you know made up of women from all of all ages, all backgrounds, all races, all religions. You know, I was exposed to just great strong powerful women at a young age. I am so grateful for that opportunity to learn from them, to grow with them. You know, many of the women on the squad that I cheered with were students, but there were also attorneys and nurses and doctors and moms and teachers. So it was just a great sort of like a great way to grow up. I really did do feel like it made me into the woman I am today. You know, I also got to travel the world with the team. We were very blessed to have the opportunity to give back to the community. I think that that is one thing that is not as widely known is the amount of time that we spend in the community and giving back to the community and the fans. We were required to do upwards of 40 events per year, and, and about half of those were charity events. So I spent a lot of time in hospitals, at schools, supporting various charity organizations, golf tournaments. Um, and we also did the military appreciation tours. Um, I personally did 10 Armed Forces Entertainment tours, and I traveled to over 30 countries in my just my short four years of cheering.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Barb and I were just
0: talking about that, that, you know, with so much negative publicity sometimes the things that we did as cheerleaders gets lost in translation. A lot of people think like, oh, they're just on the sidelines or they're just pretty faces. And I had been all around the world with my organization too, and had served on a bunch of USO tours in Bosnia, Kosovo, Vienna. We had gone to the Philippines and to actually see someone who is fighting for our country when they're missing a holiday and they've been away from their family for so long, to be able to say thank you in person is, a very eye-opening experience.
2: Oh yeah, uh, it was so humbling and so eye-opening. I learned so much, and most of those most of those guys and gals over there are younger. You know, they were younger than I was at the mm-hmm. time. And to see them giving up their lives, like you said, and dedicating it, to keeping our freedom free, is just you know, yes, I learned so much. I was so grateful for the opportunity. But we were we were able to bring so much of home to them and, and, you know, really raise their morale, be with them, see what kind of jobs they did. You know, the women would always be super cool with us and show us their jobs and how they fit in and how they, you know, were paving their way over there. I mean, we, it was just an incredible experience. One that, you know, like you said, is not as, As widely known, unfortunately. It's really
1: interesting. I was speaking with Lorraine before we started the podcast, and she spoke so highly of her cheering experience. And to hear you, you know, you both speak the same way. You reflect on that experience as such a good time in your life and such a growth. And I think it's interesting that maybe the growth that you actually received while you were cheerleading through that experience is actually the strength that you received to be able to speak out for all women Mm -hmm. regarding this situation. So, um, you know, just pulling from those women that you were surrounded by.
0: Yeah. Melanie, you mentioned the women that you had cheered with, doctors and lawyers and moms and women from all walks of life. And I, when I look back, that was my sorority. I was also in college when I cheered in Miami. And Those women were like my support group and my sisters and you become very close with them. And now for you to see 15 of your sisters and teammates come forward in a sexual harassment allegation suit, I'm sure for you, you've kind of been the voice of this so far. You've been the woman to stand up and say, hey, these women, you know, because they're part of the case right now, they can't speak for themselves, but I'm going to be here to speak for them.
2: Absolutely so yes the women that were in there's actually two separate lawsuits going on right now the women that were in those videos and you know how the videos are the calendar shoot is to capture photographs for a calendar. It is not meant to be a video. So some of those you know body paint shots or shots that didn't have you know a a real swimsuit we use different things like like feathers and beads and other really artistic things weren't supposed to be captured by video to show to the public. Right. But our our production team at the Redskins was there capturing the foot footage to make a TV show. We didn't know that this was going to be used inappropriately and without their consent, but what happened was um those two cheerleading squads, those videos some of that footage was taken unknowingly and put into a quote good bits video for ownership. Allegedly the owner directed that these videos be made And there, you know, there are sources that came forward. This has since been settled. So those women did settle. But like I said, they have, they've all had to sign NTAs in order to make that happen. So I do feel like the voice for them. I do feel like they've been silenced. I'm sure the money was not enough to pay for the exploitation and the level of violation that they felt. As you know, we're all moms now. We're business owners. We're professional women who shouldn't have to worry about these videos circulating that weren't even, you know, these were not supposed to go anywhere. This is just supposed to be, you know, to capture highlights from the calendar shoots for their content. Right.
0: And and the things that happen behind the scenes, you know, Melanie mentioned that they're filming a TV show, which most uh, professional teams do. They film a calendar show based around what they're shooting for the calendar. But there are moments that are captured on camera that are never supposed to make it to air, right? Like you didn't mean to be captured on camera while you were, you know, changing behind a curtain or, you know, while you were on your way to set and maybe you weren't properly adjusted yet or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Those moments were not meant to ever be seen by anybody. They were just accidentally captured on camera. And then to feel so violated when somebody takes that and basically makes a music video to it, is very, very hurtful, especially when you have trusted that that would not get out.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's a complete violation. And it's disgusting. The videos were made to the soundtrack of three of Daniel Snyder's favorite songs, too, which, uh, you know, as referenced in an article that I found in the Washington Post from May of 2011, he talks about his favorite bands. And, it's you know, we've, we've dug that up prior to the settlement, and I just said, like, all arrows point to him. So, yes, it is, a um, you know, a complete violation, and it's abhorrent, and I'm, you know, I wish they could speak out, but I'm speaking out on their behalf. There's also a larger investigation, the one I'm still working on, and that's what the petition is for. There is an NFL investigation that's being conducted by the Beth Wilkinson Law Firm, and over 100 former employees, men and women, were interviewed about sexual har- serial sexual harassment in the workplace and mistreatment of employees. So wow. that, yeah, that investigation has been wrapped up. It was actually leaked this morning that part of that investigation, um, the, the, you know, the firm recommended that he divest his ownership and sell the team or be suspended yeah. for some time. So it is a very, I, I do believe that they need to really support, uh, release support, release the report. I think that the public, the fans, the, you know all the other owners and everybody involved with the NFL deserve to know the truth there should be full transparency that this this organization has had decades of mistreatment and harassment and it's It's time to stop. Yeah. And, you know, I think we need to get past that.
0: Oh, well, it's just locker room talk, or it's just, you know, that's BS. That's not how we are raising our boys to treat women. And just because it stood for any amount of time in the past does not make it right. And that's where I think, Melanie, you are making such a change right now. As far as that information goes, is that a big win for you, Melanie?
2: Well, I'm I'm very confident that that report is going to say that based on the stories that I've heard from my fellow colleagues, people I've worked with, as, as and including the stories that I had to relive through that investigation as well. I do believe that that would be their suggestion. However, I'm not sure whether or not the NFL will actually, you know, follow through along with it. they recommend. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do with that information. But I feel, you know, the first. Step is getting that report released. All of the people that participated or most of them have signed letters saying, please release the report. You can redact our names. We're happy to, you know, we want you to tell the story. Well, we want you to, you know, let the public know this is what's happening.
0: And you yourself had written a very strongly worded letter to the NFL as well.
2: Correct. Yes. I, I was there for 14 years. I've seen what, what has happened. And I do believe that, you know, some of the changes that they're making are great, but it's too little too late. They should have done it a long time ago and nothing's going to change. If leadership of the team isn't changing, I don't believe, you know, that anything else will change. It's just band-aids on the, on what's really the underlying cause of all these problems.
0: Yeah. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And I do want to talk about those changes here in a moment, but Melanie, in your time, in the office, did you ever oh. firsthand experience any of these allegations or witness any of them?
2: Yes, yes. I was harassed myself. There was no legitimate HR department there. The one person who sort of did like the employee onboarding and offboarding he I, I have emails to him back in 2006 when I was harassed, and basically I was told that yeah it's sorry there's nothing we can do because it was about a player and it was like near or him so
1: okay so I, like I, when, when you are going through this process and it has been a process for you has this been really painful for you personally to kind of have to go back and and you know dredge up these memories and those moments oh it's been terrible
2: I I've been
1: um you
2: know the intimidation and the threat level that exists within the organization, it's sort of like PTSD. When I left, when I left there, you know, it it was years before I realized, wow, this isn't how work is supposed to be. This is not how people treat each other. And, you know, looking back, yes, it's almost like I have to relive it again. I've had to dig up memories, remember, remember awful things and go through emails that, you know, were unanswered and just, ignored and so yes it's very painful to to myself and to you know women who I know have who have gone through way worse so that's that's the shocking thing is that you know I'm not the only one and we've become stronger going through this process because we're sort of leaning on one one another and sharing stories and supporting one another so yes it's terrible that if if they've made us sort of relive all of this emotional trauma and go through this process just to ignore the investigation, and that's just like you're doing it all over again, right? So. Right.
0: And I mean, you know, you have to think when this first came to light, and you know, well, first the organization had rebranded, and then this whole thing comes to light, and it's almost there. There's almost an amount of like victim shaming and slut shaming happening from. And I I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth, but around the organization, not in the organization per se, but the media surrounding it immediately was not the most favorable. And I think that's a load of crap because when you're like, yes, we wore little uniforms, but just because you wear a skirt does not mean that you want to get grabbed or have somebody cat call you or... Refer to you in any specific way. And I think that as a society is what we need to stand up
2: against right now. Oh, yes. Victim shaming, victim blaming. I've seen it all. It's, it's really hard to read Twitter when some of these articles are posted and see some of the fans writing the things they do about what we wear and we should be on a poll and all of the other words, and hurtful things that they mm-hmm. say. But if you just turn on MTV or you watch, you know, you turn on TikTok or you turn on, Um, any variety of, even the grannies, right. You know, the NFL cheerleaders have evolved and over the years they've gotten better and better They're you know, the Washington football team brought on the R team in 2019, which was, you know, a co-ed sort of promo squad that would go up into the stands and they would pass out, you know, toss t-shirts and run flags and all that sort of thing. So there is an evolution, and I do, you know, I, I'm all for evolution. I'm all for having men on the field. I'm all for all of it. But I also think that taking away positions from women who have spent years within the organization not listening to their voice, not helping that, you know, giving them a seat a seat at the table to help with the rebrand and the refresh, it's just a slap in the face. And I do believe that it all, I mean, I've said this before, I do believe that this is a direct result, a retaliation for the settlement that the alumni cheerleaders just, just finished. You know, within weeks ago. Well, yeah. at that so point, it
1: becomes you know the good old boys club, right? Like it's right yeah. you're you're not invited, and and it's you know hurt on top of hurt.
0: And some of these uh, things that have transpired now with the organization canceling the cheerleading team and then bringing it back, but as a co-ed team. And, you know, some people will say, oh, well, change is not easy. Yes. Change is not easy. I, I mean, I have to personally be honest. I think being sexy is okay. As a woman, I know my sexuality. I know who I am and I am okay with, with women being sexy. That is okay in my book. And you know, even in Miami, the team has changed so much under new direction. They're a little bit more sporty than they were when we were on the team. And it was a little bit more glamorous than the sporty look that they have now. And it's just change. I do want to talk about the new direction of the cheerleaders here too. Mm -hmm. Now, Melanie, they let your longtime coach go.
2: Correct. Yes. Jamila, who She actually just got the director position. She was an assistant director for many years, but she's been with the organization for over 15 years. She was a cheerleader, a captain, a Pro Bowl cheerleader. She was also a cheerleader on a co-ed cheerleading team in college. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's got the background of everything that they're trying to do and saying they're trying to do. Um, She was also the first African-American director that we've had in our organization for the cheerleaders. And um, she's an they, amazing choreographer, by the way. I've taken her classes
0: at All Pro, and yeah. she is... I mean, people were fighting to get into that class because she is so good and technical. So yeah. did she she's get amazing. caught in the crossfire of this whole thing, do you think? Like, did they let her go before they decided to bring the team back, and then they felt like they couldn't bring her
2: back? I believe that's what happened. I also, like I said... I said to you before, I think this is, there's a lot of covering up going on, a lot of damage controlled by the NFL and the Washington football team. Um, I do think she got caught in the crosshairs. The sad thing is for all of the loyalty that she's shown the team over the years, I'll go ahead and let you know she was in both of those calendars that were part of those blue videos and she did not participate in that settlement. So For what it's worth, I think that's very important you know to keep in mind because she didn't get you know the payout that they mm-hmm. got. She didn't participate in that she did try to you know stay in her lane and do the best she could with the squad she led them through a pandemic which I mean I can't imagine how, right. how hard that was doing I mean just watching her do the audition process through the pandemic was it's so challenging so for them to do you know to drag her and, and all of she's done for them over the years and then to just to just let her go that way it's it's inhumane. Like, I I still am in shock at how they they did her.
0: Now, Petra Pope is the new director. And, you know, like I said, change is sometimes difficult to see. And I don't think, and maybe you can tell me differently, but from the outside looking in, like, I couldn't be mad at somebody new who came in and was taking advantage of an opportunity that was handed to them to go through a rebranding, I mean, you almost feel, I almost feel bad for her because like she didn't do, she wasn't part of that regime before and she's kind of been handed a shit show to, to bring back to any real class or, I don't know, respect in society. So do you and your fellow cheerleaders have any issue with a new director coming in or is your beef kind of with Jamila being pushed out
2: yeah the beef is with Jamila being pushed out in Uh all honesty but I will also say um, you know Petra didn't really do her due diligence they kind of threw her into it and and she went on to GMA earlier this week uh, you know to have this fancy big shiny new announcement about what they're going to be doing and how different it's going to be but the problem is she used Words like diverse, like she's going to have a more diverse squad and more inclusive squad and be more modern. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. The Washington football team has always had one of the most diverse squads in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had diverse squads since the 70s. We've been known for that. D.C. is the mixing bowl. We are like United a of Pentagon over here <laughs> to say that. It's just a slap in the face. Um, so you feel like
1: maybe they're just, it's more smoke and mirrors. Like we're just. A hundred percent. The
2: whole thing is the
1: smoke stream.
2: That's why they got on the big media outlet. Yeah. How do you feel about the
0: co-ed team coming in? Now, I, I, is it different than the co-ed team that
2: you were telling me about? Like the flag team? So, yeah. They're apparently going to have dancers, male dancers with the with the women dancers. I honestly, you know, Petra's never had a co-ed team. So this is also new to her. And, you know, I don't know what their plans are, but I can tell you, you know, everything that they're trying to say that they're doing differently has already been done there. It's been being done there. Yeah. And, you know, they've been evolving over the years. As you mentioned, Miami has kind of taken sort of a more like strong woman fitness type Yeah. Um, feel like we had been doing that for the last two years too. We had this whole grace and grit campaign that happened after the controversies that surrounded the New York times article back in 2018, they sort of, you know, stepped on that. And that was like, and you have was- to
0: evolve, like nobody's yeah. saying you have to be stuck in a time capsule, you know, if anything, we want that to happen. I just know that some people sometimes have, have a hard time with change, even though change can be so good.
1: Well, I think the more frustrating thing is, or, or what I'm hearing is, we've been doing this. Like, mm-hmm. this has been changing. Yeah. That's not the problem. We've been evolving. Yeah, right. Like, the problem is not that we've had no evolution within our squad. The problem is, you know, exterior, and, and there's no controlling that. They're just putting a spin on it. Mm-hmm. There's
2: been. This is a bigger story. This is bigger than the cheerleaders. It's more about all the women in the organization. Um, you know, this. This is why my main push is for the release of the report, because I feel like once that is out, once everyone sees it, you know, this is all smoke and mirrors for Dan Snyder. He will try to find a shiny new object to redirect attention to, you know, to avoid having to deal with whatever controversy he's dealing with at the time. It's just his memo.
0: So, Melanie, let's talk about your petition on change.org. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I started petition, you know, once we realized, I think it was early February when Goodell at the Super Bowl announced that it was almost complete and that he, you know, he felt positive that good changes were being made. So even just that announcement makes it seem a little, you know, it's very premature to be saying things like that if you haven't actually read the report, knowing what I know and knowing what he doesn't know. So after that happened, a lot of us started sort of pushing, well, we need to make sure this this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like they're going to actually release it. So we started this petition. You know, there's some articles cited on it. We are now over 35,000 signatures strong. We've got some good momentum. We had Alyssa Milano share the petition. Time's Up has shared it. And we've got a lot of, you know, big voices who want this to Um, be more transparent. So I love that one of the
0: hashtags that was trending with this, with your petition and this story was hashtag evolve. Don't cancel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it feels like. They're, they're, they're canceling, they canceled the first ladies of football. They're not going to have it anymore. They're calling it a co-ed dance team, which you you and I both know we were a dance team anyway. Right, Um, But they're taking our tradition, which dates back to 1962. We are the longest running squad in the NFL, by the way. We have the most active alumni association in the NFL. And we've got, you know, 58 years of tradition and history and legacy that they're basically wiping, you know, wiping off the record and they're just erasing it and canceling it because the men in the office couldn't control themselves.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is definitely the hardest part as a woman to swallow is that they Obviously, they will hopefully will not be successful in doing that. But you can't punish women for coming forward because men could not control themselves. You know, right? And like, what you
1: have to wonder, like, how many organizations, not that we know of any, Mm -hmm. but what does this do to some woman? This is so watching,
0: much bigger than the NFL right, too, like, Barb. Th-
1: there's somebody just out there watching this, going, "Oh, I'm never coming forward. This is this is a nightmare." This right? Is it's scary for somebody right, who has been exactly. through
0: something like this.
2: It's incredibly scary, and the and the ba- and the sad part is is that the women that settled didn't even know this was happening this was all an anonymous source who used to work for the production team of the Redskins came forward with this video once the sexual harassment article came out
1: has anybody seen the video like any of the women have have you seen it I have not seen it I don't want to
2: see it I honestly I'm like
1: I I was so emotionally
2: drained and just sick and ill to my stomach when I, when this came out, cause they, I was there mm-hmm. and these were my girls. And I swear I stayed four years longer than I wanted to stay at that organization. Cause I felt like I was protecting them. And for this to happen and, you know, for them to be able to get away with it this long is bad enough. But, you know, the women were the, the current first ladies of football, they're getting punished for something that happened in 2008 and 2010. They didn't even know about it. And the women that settled, like, What else are they going to do? Like, they didn't ask for this, you know?
0: Right. Melanie, what do you want to see happen here?
2: I want the report release. I want the report release. That's my number one goal. I think if that happens, everything else will fall into place. People, you know, the fans, the sponsors, the other owners, they're not going to let them get away with it if they see what truly happened in this organization. Do you have
1: any idea, like, how many people are implicated in the report? I don't, but I know that there was over 100, I think it was like
2: 122 or something people were part of this investigation. And the report based on today's um, news was over 130 pages long. Wow. And then,
0: Melanie, I just have one more question for you because it is terrible as this situation is, what would you say to a young woman who had a dream of being a professional cheerleader? I say don't give
2: up. We're all still fighting. I think that we all need to make our voices be heard and chase our dreams. We are strong, beautiful, intelligent women. And I know that if it's not the Washington football team, there's another spot for them somewhere. And um, I do believe that as we evolve and progress, I'm hoping that they'll find a, a spot for these women on their
1: sidelines and in their organizations where they'll respect them and lift them up and, and make their voices heard. I love that. You know, strong women like you are are such a great influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it keeps the hope and dream alive of so many other women.
0: Yeah, the impact that you're making is fantastic. Thank
1: you for what you're doing.
2: Oh, thank you, ladies, for having me on and for sharing our story and for sharing all the stories of women in in your networks and all around i appreciate it awesome thank you so much melanie
1: thank you melanie
2: thank you have a great day you You too too.
1: bye 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 that's horrible Mm -hmm. like i feel you can hear her voice she just sounds so worn with Mm -hmm. it you know and and she's one of the strong ones i know you know what i mean She has to be to be coming out like that yeah that's horrible yeah I wonder if any, I mean, are all the women, I mean, are they all bold about it? Do you know? I guess I should have asked for, I just.
0: So I don't personally know Melanie and I don't personally know any of the women in the lawsuit. But again, just going back to like what she was saying about the behind the scenes stuff. When you're recording for a calendar, the cameras do catch so much more than, what are what's intended right because things hit the cutting room floor and people don't mean to catch you in a slip you know what I mean or a wardrobe malfunction or anything like that but sometimes it happens and you just trust that their professionalism down right I
1: just trust my organization they're Mm -hmm. not gonna yeah that's just so yeah
0: mm. and even you know Melanie mentioned that she because she felt like she was protecting people too. And I think that, you know, it's our job as women to kind of Buddy up and protect each other too. Like I remember being on sets for Maxim and Muscle and Fitness when I was a cheerleader, and like that was a, a big deal to get chosen for that, right? Like yeah, sure. people, sh- like you, sh- you were striving to be chosen for Maximum and Muscle and Fitness, and that's what I said. It's okay to be sexy. Like we shouldn't be slut shamed because we have a swimsuit on or well, and I mean a I don't skimpy think outfit. People
1: really understand either. Like, that's hard work. Like, to, I mean, mm-hmm. just to even have the body that you feel so proud of. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's the other end of it. Like, you know, when you go to the gym eight days a week and you're eating lean and, you know, you're striving to be the best that you can be in your field, mm-hmm. that's that should be a good thing. It is,
0: yeah. And, I mean, as women, we should support each right. other in that. But my my point to this was when I was on those sets, people always try to push the envelope When it comes to being a professional anything, dancer, cheerleader, whatever, I have been on sets where, not me personally, but women have been handed a football and said, this is your outfit. And that's where, like, we have to take up for each other as women, where I've seen directors and chaperones and whatnot step in and say, "Mm, she's not doing that. Because... Like if I was on a set, I'd be like, I'm not doing that. But some people don't have that strength. And I
1: think that is so such a good point. I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, that is why it's so important to have conversations mm-hmm. like this to teach women. You, can't it's okay say to no, say right? no. Like, yeah, it's okay to say no. You know, you're not. But if you decide to say yes, I personally I feel like, well, that's you. And if that's what you want to do, that's great. Right. And
0: even though you decided to say right. yes, does not mean that you wanted right. to get catcalled or grabbed. No,
1: I mean. It, exactly right and but if you decide to say yes
0: and I'm not saying a, that's what happened I have right, not seen any know. of the reports
1: but I'm just saying from a woman's standpoint from women to woman to woman we need to support women if they decide to say yes right. or if they decide to say hey you know too far mm-hmm. I mean I, I just here's feel my like, line right yeah. exactly
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that was kind of a heavy conversation this week, but it was definitely an important one to have. And I truly, truly hope that if you have young kids, you are teaching them inclusivity and that activity and this kind of uh,
1: disgusting behavior is not okay. Yeah, the accountability needs to be there for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think when we raise children to realize that men you know, and women, girls and boys, Mm -hmm. become the men and women that we want them to be. We are responsible for the next generation for sure.
0: Definitely. All right. Thanks, guys, so much. Um, As always, you can follow us on our personal pages at all of the F words. And I'm at Southern Blonde Chic.
1: Y'all have a great week, and we will catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mommyhood to Menopause podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you would join us weekly. So go ahead and click that subscribe button. Thanks for listening.